from a bar mitzvah at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem to a temple procession in Taipei. The people of our world are passionate about their beliefs. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. Thank you so much for joining us here on Radio Taiwan International, where I have about 50 minutes of great English language features coming up for you, including hashtag Taiwan and status update. But we're going to start off like we always do with a show called Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan, the news talk show where we talk to you about the news and don't just tell it to you. I'm your host for today, Leslie Liao, and joining me is, well, just me, because it's going to be another solo show due to some staffing issues, but don't you worry, I'm going to bring you the news just as usual. Uh, today's On today's docket, we have the Mets Taiwan Day. Now, the Major League Baseball team, the Mets, they have an annual tradition of um, having a Taiwan-themed day during a baseball game. I'm going to be telling you about the 17th iteration of that uh, special you know, Taiwan Day event. Then uh, another news story about how students will have later start times during the school year this year. And then I'm going to be telling you about a debacle that hit a music festival that was held over the weekend. Now, the music festival is the S2O Thailand Water Music Festival. And um, it ran into a few hardships during the planning phase. And uh, it's refusing to refund some tickets, much to the chagrin of uh, event goers and people who bought tickets. And then finally, if we have time, I'm going to be telling you about third place, uh, Taiwan placing third place at the Little League World Series, and then Taiwan winning gold in Taekwondo in Estonia. All that and more coming up next on Here in Taiwan. Don't go away. Now, if you're like me, you are a fan of baseball, and I'm a big fan of the Major League Baseball in America, because those are some of the top performing athletes in the entire world, and you get to watch them play. Now, one of the teams that play, uh, that compete in Major League Baseball are the New York Mets. And the New York Mets, every year during this time, they have a an annual Taiwan Heritage Day. Now, this is put on by the, um, well, of course, the Mets itself, and then the Met Stadium is decorated with a lot of Taiwanese decorations, and uh, this is organized in conjunction with the Taiwan Representative Office in New York. Now, this year's event took place over the weekend, and um, attending that game is actually Peng Zhenmin. Now, if you don't know who Peng Zhenmin is, it's okay, I'll tell you who he is. He's a retired Taiwanese baseball, and he's somewhat of a legend here in Taiwan. He's one of the most top-performing, he's one of the top-performing athletes in the Chinese professional um, Chinese professional baseball league, CPBL, which is Taiwan's primary uh, baseball league. And uh, the event took place on Sunday, and it was the 17th iteration of the Taiwan Heritage Day. And Peng Zhenmin is the first former Taiwan's player, uh, first former player from Taiwan's professional league to do so. And um, when he showed up to the event, he was wearing his the uniform of his old team, which is the CTBC Brothers. It's a yellow jersey. And on his yellow jersey, he had number 23, which was his uh, number all throughout his career. 
Now, he threw a pitch to open the game, and uh, he threw the pitch to Mets catcher Darren Ruff. And uh, the team played the New York. The team, the game was between the New York Mets and the Colorado Rockies. Now, just a fun fact: Pong is known as Captain Taiwan because he served of he served as the captain of Taiwan's national baseball team at several major international tournaments. And he's a renowned veteran who was frequently called up to play national players uh, to the national baseball team. Uh, he's a 44-year-old, right? Currently, Peng Zemin is 44 years old, and uh, he's an assistant general manager of the CTBC Brothers, the team he used to play for, and that team is, um, it still competes in Taiwan's four-team, uh, five-team, soon-to-be six-team league. Uh, and Pong is better known by his nickname Cha Cha, and he later told reporters that he had never had the chance to make it to the major league, uh, major league baseball as a player. What I think. He, had, he, had he always had the chops? I think so, because he was definitely one of the best baseball players in all of Taiwan. Um, he said he was happy to see that he had a lot of fans in the United States cheering for him, and uh, he, was, uh, rep- he was proud to represent Taiwan. Now, a little more information on the event. Um, the, Taiwan Mets, the, Ta- the Mets Taiwan Day is meant to show solidarity with Taiwan and Taiwanese people, and our President Tsai Ing-wen was there. She spoke to the crowd on the Jumbotron in a televised address. Not live, but it was, I think it was a pre-recorded address. And she expressed gratitude for all the support Taiwan had received from the U.S. to fight COVID-19. And she commented, she commented on the love of baseball shared by Taiwan and the U.S. Now, if you didn't know, baseball is Taiwan's, na- uh, I guess, Taiwan's national sport. I don't know by what metric they measure that, but that's something we were always told growing up. Um, as part of the promotional campaign for the event, the Mets offered attendees the option of purchasing a limited edition jersey with Taiwan and the number one printed on the back. Now, that refers to a meme called, uh, I guess it's called Taiwan Number 1, which was made popular by the popular video game streamer Angry Pug. Now, before the game began, um, Taiwanese... There were some performances put on by people wearing traditional Taiwanese costumes, and this ha- happened all throughout the stadium. But just to let you know, if you didn't know, Taiwan Mets, uh, Mets Taiwan Day is all is a thing, has been a thing for the past 17 years, and well, not past 17 years. There's been 17 iterations, and hopefully, there I can tell you about an 18th and a 19th one coming up. All right, well, Taiwan uh, is about, well, the school year is about to kick off in Taiwan, and um, this comes after, I guess, I guess this is going to be the first, no, it won't be. Um, I was going to say this is going to be the first time that Taiwan is entering a new school year uh, without pandemic restrictions because Taiwan is kind of trying to live with COVID, but I'm not sure if that's true or not. But let's see what this new story has in, t- uh, in store for us. It says students of all levels will head back to classes on Tuesday, which is August 30th, as the new school year officially begins. Under the new guidelines from the Ministry of Education, morning study periods will be optional starting this year, meaning that no student should be required to arrive at school earlier than 8:10 a.m. Now, morning studying periods are exactly what they sound like. There's no class, there's no teacher um, teaching, but the students are allowed to come in, or before it was mandatory that the students go in and kind of uh, get themselves prepared for the day and doing homework. But getting to school at 8.10, earlier than 8.10, seems kind of unreasonable. Now, the new regulations have come as a relief to many students and parents who feel that the later start times will give students more time to rest. And as you know... School children are some of the 
are, are one of some of the people who need rest the most because not only are they learning and they need to be well awake to learn effectively, but they're also growing and there have been substantial studies that show a good night's rest and a, sub, a sufficient rest helps uh, the growth process. However, Nehu High School in Taipei has reportedly angered some students and parents after a notice was issued expressing the hope that students would still arrive at school before 7.30 a.m. So here's the case is just that the government is trying to implement a new rule that says no student needs to be at the school earlier than 8, 10, 8, 10 a.m. But then one high school uh, in Taipei, it's the northeastern district of Taipei, Nehu, said that uh, they hope students could still arrive at the school before 7.30 a.m. So not only are they pushing the 8.10 start time back by 40 minutes, but they're hoping that you can arrive even earlier than that. And I don't know about you, but with my morning routine, I would have to wake up at maybe 5.30 in the morning even to get to the school at 7.30. Uh, thank goodness I'm not, a, I'm not a student anymore, but... Um, let's keep let's keep reading what happened. The notice led many parents to voice concerns that the complaints with the school and the local government, the school issued a response to the complaints, which emphasized that it is not mandatory for students to arrive at the school before 8, 10 a.m. They clarified that homeroom teachers may still organize early morning study sessions and classes have the freedom to organize activities before the school day's official start. Nehu's High School also clarified that any activities scheduled prior to the official start time will not affect a student's grade for any class. So they're just saying if you arrive early or if you arrive on time, that's not going to affect your grades. Um, the initial statement and subsequent explanation led many to question whether the school's policy towards morning activities will effectively circumvent the new guidelines issued by the Ministry of Education. But um, I don't know. I think that giving students later start times is definitely... A good thing, especially if you need to rest a lot and students are off, they're studying a whole lot. Um, I don't, I, I went to school in Taiwan who was middle school and I remember I had to get to school, I think maybe 7 o'clock, 7.30 and it was an hour commute for me to get to school. So uh, it was, I had to wake up, I think around 6 or 5.30 on certain days to make it there on time uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of routine in a student's life there in Taiwan. I don't know. I think many of the routines have been done away with uh, over the years, and things are different now that I'm not a student anymore. I haven't been a student for a while. But um, here's to all of the students in Taiwan hoping that they get their needed rest and they are not forced to go to school early. So as I said, over the weekend, uh, there was a major music festival event called S2O. Now S2O is a Thai, is an event from Thailand which mixes, you know, uh, head acts like DJs and performers. And not only that, but they also have a lot of water there and it's kind of like going to a water park. But there was an issue with S2O because in the lead up to the event, uh, there were some problems. Now this... This uh, event headlined many, many people. There were I, there were well over 40, 50 acts, I'm pretty sure. But they also, um, S2O, shortly before the event was about to kick off, they announced that a few artists couldn't make it to Taiwan because of uh, pandemic restrictions. They were saying our quarantine... Um, our quarantine waivers have not been approved by the Ministry of Culture. And because of that, we've had to cancel a few acts. And these acts are actually pretty big among them are uh, k-pop singer cl who 
is the leader who was the leader of the Korean girl group band 21. There was Dutch DJ Rehab who had a collaboration with uh, Jolin's High I think last year, and Yellow Claw who's a very also another prominent DJ uh, group. And the STO Taiwan Songkran Music Festival, which is the event's full name, the event's organizer Spunite, had had they refused to refund tickets because um, uh, people were calling for refunds because maybe they bought tickets to see Yellow Claw or Rehab and or CL, and they felt cheated because they were getting so psyched to see some of their favorite favorite artists, and all of a sudden at the last minute S2O said, "Hey, unfortunately these guys can't come." Here's the full story. One day before the S2O festival kicked off, Spinite announced that foreign acts for the event, including CL, Rehab, and Yellow Claw, would not appear. Um, would not appear, and the founder Brian Tai accused the government de- departments of being inactive in processing its application to obtain permits and visas, and attempted to direct the blame to the Ministry of Culture. Now, the announcement and accusation generated public backlash, which heightened after the Ministry of Culture issued a statement de- denying inaction. Now. So you have a case here where the event organizers are saying, we did everything we could, but unfortunately the government is the one who's dragging their feet and wouldn't process the visas and the work applications for the people who are to come to perform. And the Ministry of Culture said, no, 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 that's not the case. And the Ministry of Culture rebutted the accusations that Spinite uh, levied against them. And it said it had reminded the organizers, the organizers on August 18th, 19th, 23rd, and 24th to, re- to submit an epidemic prevention and control plan for approval. But it wasn't until shortly before 8 p.m. on Wednesday, on August 24th, that Spinite submitted an incomplete plan. So what happened was the government reminded the organizers to submit their the necessary documents and applications that they would have needed to pull off the event. And um, not only did Spoonite not do that, but they also submitted an incomplete uh, plan. So this is not a good look for the organizers. After announcing the foreign acts as absence, Spoonite declared that the event would still take place, but tickets would not be refunded. Refunded, writing, according to our rules, the organizers have the right to change venue or lineup as a form of compensation. However, ticket holders were able to bring a friend free to the event. The policy further aggravated people, some of whom compared the incident to the developing Cambodia job scam and human trafficking cases. Now, that just seems like a bit of a stretch. Just because you don't get to see someone that you really wanted to see in performance, that does not mean people got scammed. I, I don't think it's a fair comparison to say that because this event getting put on is not what you expected. You can't go ahead and say, hey, this feels like I'm getting scammed to go to Cambodia and get trafficked for labor because that is what's happening in Taiwan right now. People are getting tricked to go into Cambodia and Myanmar and they're being trafficked for labor and, um, you know, they're either getting tortured over there, they're getting forced to work and it's just a horrible, horrible situation. But I don't think that this comparison is very fair right now. Others refer to the Fire Festival. Now, if you know about the Fire Festival, you know that um, instead of being an incomplete lineup, the Fire Festival just flat out did not happen. It was a disaster from head to toe. This happened maybe, I think, four or five years ago. And organizers tried to put on this unprecedented, over-ambitious music festival in the Bahamas. 
and the fire festival did not go through as planned because a there was not enough planning b there's not enough funding c everything was rushed and uh, it just it turned out to be a complete disaster was s2o a disaster i don't think so because the um because the event was went on like normal and there was a big turnout so on Saturday, the Taipei City Department of Legal Affairs issued a press release deeming Spoonite's refusal to refund tickets after the major lineup change illegal. The department wrote that it had already contacted the organizing agency via phone and Facebook, but had yet to receive a response as of early Saturday morning. Per the department, organizers of artistic and cultural performances should ensure the act matches its description, and in the case of a major lineup change or a content change, organizers must immediately make relevant announcements and notify customers who may demand full refunds. So the government is saying that uh, the organizers of this event should issue refunds and the rules stipulate that all the changes that took place it it calls for um it, it there's precedent for the organizer to need to issue refunds and if the organizers do not make the appropriate announcements or notify customers uh, they are entitled to full refunds after the performance still. Now, Taipei City Councilor Miao Boya wrote on Facebook on Saturday morning that over 1,700 people had filed complaints against the organizing uh, company, which owed over 9.9 million New Taiwan dollars, or about 326,800 U.S. dollars in refunds. And uh, the city councilor vowed to help the people who were uh, felt like that they got cheated and... You know, this is going to be a developing story for a while. The event took place, and it sounds like the city councilor has promised to do something about this, but that's just what happened to a music festival here in Taiwan. I don't know. Do you think it's, uh, do you think it's fair to ask the organizers to issue full refunds? Uh, I certainly... Well, if the rules say so, I don't think there's much I can weigh in on, so let's just leave that to the authorities. <laughs> Now, over the past week, we've been covering a lot of uh, victories in Taiwan, on the baseball front at least. There seems to be a lot of baseball competitions going on lately. I know last two weeks ago, I talked about the Junior League, World, uh, Junior League Baseball World Championships, and Taiwan won that. Another competition that was going on um, recently was the Little League Baseball World Series, and Taiwan kind of pushed its way through to the, uh, you know, through that competition, and we actually won third place at the Little League World Series. So uh, this happened in Pennsylvania on Sunday, and the Taiwanese team beat out Tennessee, which represented the southeast region of the United States. Now, the Taiwan Little League baseball team was actually representing the Asia-Pacific region. Now, it was Taiwan's third shutout of the tournament. Now, a shutout, of course, means that uh, you not only won, but you made sure that your team, yeah, the your opponent's team did not score any points, which is actually pretty impressive. Uh, in its two other games, they only yielded one run apiece to teams representing Mexico and the Caribbean, and its only loss was to the Caribbean's to the Caribbean team by one and zero. Uh, Taiwan, represented by a team from Taipei Municipal Fooling Elementary School, was boosted by a strong performance by the starting pitcher who dismissed 13 batters through six innings. Wow, giving up only three hits and not a single run or walk. So, wow, he did not give a single walk, huh? So the kid was pitching absolute gas, I'm guessing. And uh, while ten Taiwan and Tennessee each had three hits, the Taiwan team had the advantage of speed and capitalized on their opponents' errors to maintain a lead in the top of the second. Um, but 
I don't want to get into too much baseball uh, details because obviously you, our listeners might not all play baseball. This is just a sport I'm kind of passionate about. But let's move on to another piece of sporting news, which is Taiwan winning gold at uh, the Taekwondo competition in Estonia. And the person who won gold was Luo Jialing, and she is a, I believe, bronze medalist, uh, bronze Olympian. Um, Luo Jialing bagged a gold medal in the Taekwondo women's under 57 kilogram division at the um, Tallinn Open G2 in Estonia, which I guess is just the name of the Taekwondo competition that happened. Uh, Luo beat South Korean Kim Yu Jin, wow, 2-0 in a best of round, best of three round match held under a new sparring rule introduced by the World Taekwondo Federation. Um, and which is interesting because, wow, so, uh, Taekwondo is a South Korean martial art and Luo a Taiwanese girl beat her through beat a South Korean competitor, which is quite impressive. Um, prior to Loa's gold on Sunday, her last medal was won in May when she took the bronze in the women's under 62 kilogram event at the Taekwondo Austrian Open. Last year, she brought home a bronze medal from the Tokyo Summer, Olymp- Summer Olympics for her performance in the women's under 57 kilograms event. The coach of Team Taiwan at this Taekwondo event said that while Lo lost her first two matches in women's under 57 kilogram category, she regained her rhythm as the competition progressed and was able to beat Kim on Sunday. Lo's early losses in the preliminaries motivated her to adapt and improvise, and she trained harder ahead of every game. That's according to the coach. And, uh, yeah, it seems like Taiwan's doing very, very well on the sports front lately, especially when it comes to baseball. Taiwan's also pretty good at Taekwondo. I believe Taiwan's won gold medals at Taekwondo events, in the Olympics nonetheless, not just any Taekwondo event. But uh, this is always encouraging to hear. Whenever Taiwan uh, performs well, I think most recently Taiwan even won big at the World Police and Fire Games. Um, And I think we won like 40-something medals there, 40-something gold medals. And then you're just thinking, wow, Taiwan's got some very impressive uh, emergency first responders, right? Be they police, be they firefighters. Uh, To win 40 gold at any competition, that is uh, an accomplishment in and of itself. Um, let's talk about the change to the rules that was implemented by the World Taekwondo's new competition. The coach said Lowell had adjusted in Tallinn by being a little bit more offensive rather than counterattacking all the time. So he was, so I guess the coach encouraged Luo Jialing to be a little more aggressive during these competitions. And I guess it worked out for her. Now, the Taiwan team at the Tallinn Open, which included, uh, Zhuang Xinxuan and Chen Boyin, bagged one other medal. Um, they won a silver medal in the men's under 58 kilogram division, and the Tallinn Open G2 tournament was held on August 22nd to 28th, which I guess, uh, oh, it's ended on Sunday. So that's about all the time that we have for this edition of Here in Taiwan. Thank you so much for joining uh, me, and I hope you enjoyed listening to me tell you about baseball competitions and uh, Taekwondo Taekwondo competitions, music festivals that didn't go as, you know, go to plan, and uh, Taiwan Day at the Major League Baseball, uh, with the Major League Baseball team, the Mets, and students having later start times. Thank you so much, and uh, you know what? I'd like to encourage you guys to tell us what you think about this show, tell us what you think about the broadcast, definitely let us know. Uh, send us an email at english at rti.org.tw. Or you can find us on all of the major social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, you name it. You can find us there, definitely. 
Anyway, guys, I'll be back with another edition of Here in Taiwan, I believe, on Wednesday. Until then, uh, I'll talk to you guys again soon, and uh, I really hope you guys enjoy this show. Thanks for joining me. Welcome to Hashtag Taiwan, the show where we talk about what's trending online, well, in Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao, and for the next few minutes, I'm going to be telling you about something that maybe happened on social media in Taiwan, or a popular YouTube video that's circulating the internet, or maybe I'm just going to tell you about a piece of news that got a lot of attention in Taiwan. This week, we're going to talk about the news in general. More specifically, I want to talk about the way the news and the media talks about Taiwan lately. Because it seems like anytime there's a news story about Taiwan, particularly with the high-profile stories about Nancy Pelosi and China's military drills around Taiwan, it seems like news stories about the country are always framed from the perspective of China and how, you know, Taiwan makes China feel and what someone says about Taiwan and how China reacts to that. And I think that's kind of unfair to an island of almost 24 million people. Anyway, what does that, what do I mean by that? Well, I'm going to explain in this week's Hashtag Taiwan. Don't go away. You know, talking about Taiwan has been pretty difficult for the past few weeks. Now, that's because people all of a sudden have a strong opinion about Taiwan or are desperately trying to not have an opinion about Taiwan. But both the opinions and deflections aren't really about Taiwan. They're about China. What will China think and more importantly do? How will China react? What does China want? At the same time, it seems like barely anybody talks about what Taiwan wants or needs. Yeah. You know what? Let's talk about some neutral. Baseball. Taiwan loves baseball. It's the great all Taiwanese pastime and Taiwan's pretty good at it too. Most recently, a junior high school from Taizong won the Junior League Baseball World Series. In that run, they had a perfect 5 wins and 0 losses record. 
very impressive. Now, Taiwan is making the case for itself again as it competes in the Little League World Series, which is being held in Pennsylvania. And as Taiwanese teams keep collecting achievements, the fandom grows. You might have missed the fact that former US President George W. Bush is an avid baseball fan. Before his political career, he worked for the Texas Rangers Major League Baseball team. So it's fair to say that he knows a thing or two about the sport. Earlier this week, he commentated on a Major League Baseball game between the Boston Red Sox and the Baltimore Orioles, during which he said this. You know, I was excited to see the Taiwanese team, not to get all political and stuff, but it, I think it helps relations for Taiwan to be able to play baseball here. Yeah, and we've, we've missed him. Look, we, we missed a lot over the last couple of years. This is the first time they've been back, the international teams, in three years. It's yeah. a different event. It is. Did you hear that? George W. Bush said he was excited to see the Taiwanese team compete, which is kind of a big deal. First, heck yes, Taiwan has some amazing and talented players, and it's genuinely exciting to see them play. Second, as a former president, George W. Bush should be better informed about the intricacies of Taiwan's international standing than, say, your average baseball commentator. So kudos to him for pointing out that it's a team from Taiwan. But what was that he said just before? Not to get all political and stuff. And we're back again. Why is it every time there's a conversation about Taiwan, even when it's something about as harmless as baseball, it's overshadowed by China's claim to Taiwan? Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan? Well, that must be a big deal because it'll anger China. Japan donated vaccines to Taiwan? Oh no, China not happy. The US sailed a boat through the Taiwan Strait? Oof, I wonder what China thinks about that. Even mentioning Taiwan in the context of a sporting event for young athletes is making politicians defensive. The conversation is now so twisted that by merely saying Taiwan out loud, it can be construed as a political act. And if the word Taiwan finds itself anywhere near the word country, Oh boy, you're in a world of trouble. Now, will George W. Bush's brief mention of Taiwan make China angry? Very possible, because China has gotten angry for less. Now, the world needs to learn to talk about Taiwan without automatically veering into a China angle, or just avoiding the topic altogether because it's problematic. Living in the shadow of this massive issue in the Taiwan Strait are people, and people don't deserve to be talked about like they're a problem or a common pest. Anyway, I'm Leslie Liao and this show has been hashtag not to get all political and stuff Taiwan. And that was this week's hashtag Taiwan. What do you think? Do you think my request is fair or do you think I'm asking too much by asking people not to think about Taiwan in terms of how China would react? Well, let me know by sending us a message on our social media websites. You can find us on YouTube or Facebook, Instagram, and even Twitter. Anyway, I'll be back with another edition of Hashtag Taiwan next week. Until then, stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy. I'll talk to you again soon. This is Status Update. Hello there, you've just tuned into Status Update. I'm Shirley Lin. And I'm Tomasz Koper. We're going to be getting you uh, to your letters, uh, letters that you write us and let us know what programs to listen to. Uh, that's the purpose of this show. It's to update our, I mean, update us on your status, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. But um, before we do that, though, we're going to update our status for you. <laughs> All right. So. Goes both ways. Right. Okay. So now, Thomas, it seems like you, you uh, had a lot of music, like, uh, yes. the last couple of days or something um, like that. I went um, to a, a, an album release party last night. And, yeah. Well, it was a concert. Uh, the band with, who released the album, um, they had a gig. Uh, I knew the uh, guitarist. 
mm-hmm. from the band mm-hmm. um and and i was very pleasantly surprised the music was great yeah uh, i think i i have heard the band before mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago i think maybe at the beginning of the pandemic or something and their sound was different it wasn't as developed as it was last night last uh-huh. night i was blown away i remember the band uh-huh. was pretty cool but uh, yeah last night it was like oh wow the music is really good wow well yeah thomas himself is also a musician you play oh, the bass, bar- right? barely barely a musician <laughs> so, yes i do so, play bass so yeah so you you really do enjoy by the way, what kind of music genre Well, so for the longest time, I played punk, uh, which is why I'm not a very good bassist, uh, because punk is not, it's pretty uncomplicated music, especially on the bass. (laughs) It's like three sounds. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I'm no virtuoso, but I know my way around a bass guitar, yeah. Oh, good. Well, I mean, I, I know we talked about this before, that my husband used to play the bass, too. And um, more and more, it seems like, you know, I, I'm basically a slightly younger version of yeah. your husband. I mean, <laughs> well, yes, definitely. But the thing is that is I that realized, why we get along so well? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, the thing is that, um, of course, bass is very monotonous. It's the same thing through mm-hmm. and through. But then I realized that I realized the importance of having a bass mm-hmm. and how the bass without a bass, it's. Something's missing. I, think I don't you, know how to describe it. You hit the nail on the head there because right? bass is an instrument that you only notice when it's not there. Ah, you ah. only notice the bass when it's gone. I think that's what it is. Yeah, but it it, it does hold the whole <laughs> band together very often. Yeah, it's uh well as some of you may know it's part of the rhythm section so it's right, technically right. not like you know it's not there to carry the tune it's there to sort of provide the rhythm and also a little bit of sort of audio background, background. for the guitars right. and other instruments. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, you know, actually, bass is pretty cool, honestly. Oh, thank you. Know? you. And, and, <laughs> I don't and, hear that very often. No, really. Well, <laughs> it, it's funny, okay, because I just started dating my husband. Uh, this was back in Boston. And then he was holding a little gig in, in this apartment that he was sharing with his roommates and everything. So they were playing, and he was playing the bass and everything. And I just thought he looked so handsome because Aww. he was playing the bass. <laughs> and then I, because I didn't really understand music that much, or let alone bass that much. I mean, to be honest, actually, it was more like I didn't understand bass that much. But at the time, I was going like, Oh, I was getting dream, dreamy eyed looking. <laughs> I mean, I mean, at the time I didn't know what, what what it was, but then yeah, it just felt cool. Anyway, well, I, so. that's uh, more luck than I ever had uh, playing <laughs> bass. Um, you know, uh, but then my my wife also found right. something about me attractive. Hopefully, See? it is the bass. Right. She did. She did um, come to our shows. When I was playing with a with a Pixies cover band, yeah, um, she used to be a big fan of our, ours, uh, mainly because she was good friends with the guitarist. That was here in Taiwan, right? Yeah, that's yeah, okay. how that's how we started hanging out right. more. Yeah. Right. So you know, the bass guitar, in a way, did it for me as well. <laughs> <laughs> Another and, thing I have in common with your husband, right? <laughs> and and by the way, actually, you you kind of like you know about the same kind of figure and bald oh, yeah. and everything there's so many similarities so but anyway um what about this band you said it's called they call called the co-pilots yes and what kind of music genre um so are this they? is funk uh it's it's mm-hmm. sort of in between genres it's interesting um yeah. like that um 
I think at one point uh, the the leader of the band um, called the music that they were playing bossa nova shoegaze. Uh, I don't know if okay. you're familiar with shoegazing no, music. I, I don't. It's sort of like uh, slower, more spacey. The guitars have like heavy uh, effects, uh-huh. uh, like very, very, you know, distorted and changed. Okay. Mm, and and it has like those drawn out sort uh-huh. of uh, droning, um, not solo or solos as well, but just the guitars are kind of like dreamy and spacey. We're talking about electric guitars, yes, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, shoegazing music relies heavily on effects to produce this kind of dreaming, synthy sound, oh. which is very interesting. Yeah, so yeah, no, he curious. called it I want to hear that. Bossa yeah. Nova shoegazing, shoegazing something. There was a third <laughs> thing there. Oh, really? I, I missed that. I can't remember <laughs> right now. <laughs> okay. Now, you were saying that um, they produced record the whole thing yeah they released an album um, um and i'm going to talk to them about it because they, by themselves you were because saying. yeah they produced it they, they mixed it that and, is amazing yeah released it all on their own which i mean it's so great that this is possible in, in this day and age so um, did they release it with a record company or no, not no, no so wow it's all okay. independent publishing yeah. all right all right all right so i'm, I'm just curious how that looks and yeah. um yeah hopefully i'll have them come in next week and we can talk about that oh and cool so if you're interested catch my show digitime one it comes out every sunday if you're listening on shortwave or comes out every sunday on our website if you are more inclined to listen that way Mm-hmm. okay great all right so well, now we're going to get to your letters as always we'd love to get your letters and read them on air just what programs you listen to um, our address is PO Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan and if you're a, a person who likes to write emails uh, it's rti at rti.org.tw you can also find us on Facebook Twitter and YouTube as uh, RTI English or Radio Taiwan International okay the first letter here is from Bidan Chandra Sanyal of West Bengal, India. It says, Sir and Ma'am, I fully support the comments made by Foreign Minister Joseph Wu in response to China's recent military drills. Um, Foreign Minister Wu rightly said that China's drills appear aimed at Taiwan, but they also influence the international community. Yes, we're talking about, it, actually, it's been a while. Um, this letter we only just got recently, but uh, um, it, it, it mainly these uh, live fire drills that China kind of conducted around the waters of Taiwan uh, after uh, the U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi uh, visited Taiwan, uh, like a rendezvous trip, like 19 hours, something like that. But anyway, so then it says here, for Foreign Minister Wu, Joseph Wu, has rightly said that Beijing plans to take control of the South China Sea and East China Sea over the Taiwan Strait, which is involved in territory disputes with several other countries. Yeah. Uh, this Chinese military exercise is disrupting the peace and stability of the region. At the time, we support the brave action of Taiwan as an independent sovereign country against China's aggressor. And, and then bloodthirsty must be another word after that, but it's missing it. Anyway, so it says, with love, uh, yours faithfully, Bidan Chandra Sayal of West Bengal, India. Thank you very much for your email. I have one from Mr. Mohammed El Said Abd El Rahim uh, from... Um, Egypt, who uh, writes, Good morning, Cairo time. And happy day uh, to all of you at Radio Taiwan International. Surely everyone has been following the latest developments following the recent visit of U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to Taiwan. I see a theme emerging in the <laughs> recent letters that we got from yes. our listeners. I mean, this was important news, so not very surprising. Very so. there. Yeah. 
Here in Egypt, there is interest in this issue and these developments. For my part, I am trying to explain things to all my friends and that there are millions around the world who share and support Taiwan's position and stand by it. Now I wonder and say to myself and you, what if the Arabic section of Radio Taiwan International were present with programs, files and reports to clarify this matter now? Or why Radio Taiwan International did not care to dedicate a page in Arabic within the pages of different language sections of Radio Taiwan International to clarify and explain this matter and other matters. Because the presence of an Arab voice coming from Taiwan at this time would have contributed a lot to clarifying many issues and concepts about the recent developments. Finally, I wish Taiwan peace and progress, and all the people of Taiwan success and prosperity, and all the happiness and success for you in Radio Taiwan International. Thank you. Thank you very much for that email. Yeah. That is a very good question. We have to kick it upstairs and, and maybe... Well, uh, from what I know, mm -hmm. so far we did revive the Arab language, but only as a fan page uh, on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And as far as I know, it's a one-man show, and he's... Taiwanese. I see. Yeah. So I I don't know. I really don't know uh, anything about that fan page and you know uh, the works behind it. But probably a Taiwanese person wouldn't be in the position to explain. Yeah. I mean, especially for the Arab world, that is. <laughs> um, well, yeah, we probably uh, would have uh, native speakers if we had a, a right. dedicated language section. Um, it's not really up to us to you know create language yeah. sections because if it were yeah we would probably have arabic we would have a polish language section why not <laughs> Thomas is <laughs> but from yeah Poland. no arabic seems yeah. to be an important market yeah, that for for us to maybe think about expanding to right. um but uh we'll we'll raise the issue um but it is again not not up to us right well thanks for your question thank anyway. you very much yes okay next one is coming to us from japan norihiko ide uh, it says, Dear Sir and Ma'am, it is with great pleasure that I send you my monitoring letter as follows. August 17th, that was the day he tuned in. Uh, he listened to Behind the Beats. Uh, it was the second episode of The Fur. Now, that's the name of the of the band, right? The Fur, mm -hmm. F-U-R, Fur, right? Oh, okay. Um, uh, uh, I think uh, he named up some of the songs that were played from the Out There album. Uh, Serene Reminder, Planet of Love, Friday Love, Car of Yours, Stay With Me, Julie. And then he also listened to end of uh, sorry he listened to Feast Meets West and his comments on the program. He said hello. This is my second monitoring letter uh, for the month of August. I love the songs that you play today. They are very pop and accessible. I'm sorry that the band has already broken up. Oh yeah, I remember um, talking to Emma about that. The band actually has already disbanded. Um, I hope there will be a reunion in the future or some unpublished songs to be released. Uh, the band played in many overseas festivals, and I'm wondering who is Taiwan's most internationally successful singer slash band in terms of record sales. Take good care, Mr. Norihiko Dide of Japan. Right. Well, um, hmm. I... In terms of sales, the most popular, uh, either Ame or... Ame, yeah. yeah. But she's not really been seen much in the scene no. lately, you know? Like, I wonder but, uh, total sales her. ever. I wonder if someone has that statistic somewhere right um, how Maybe. many albums have been sold in taiwan right know, since albums started being sold in Taiwan. Is, I know, right, right, because not, not so much anymore for quite a few years. Yeah. But maybe Jade So, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, um, maybe I'm just naming off some of my favorite. Mayday. 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 I'm sorry. Mayday is my mm -hmm. favorite band. 
<laughs> yeah, it's um, it's interesting that well, I mean, uh, some people in Taiwan still buy physical albums. Oh uh, yeah, and for- I I think it's somewhat more common here than, for example, in North America or Europe, where okay. almost no one buys physical albums right. anymore. I think I would if mm-hmm. I'm you know just because just like how I prefer like pay book the real books mm-hmm. as opposed to you know ebooks or something because I like flipping through the papers smelling the paper I like collecting something solid I can hold on to and you know and books just, are great objects yeah, and, I, and, and, and I like CDs them and, as well um, um, yeah here in this matter for CDs this matter. I have I to don't admit know. don't they don't do it for me <laughs> like I, but I'm a computer I guy I grew up with CDs yeah, and I'm see. tired of CDs oh. I never want to see another CD in my life just like I never want to see another floppy disk in my life <laughs> <laughs> okay all right well thank you so much uh, Norihiko Ite uh, I have an email from Jayantra Chakrabarti um from TBD uh, because I can't see it on the first page of the email. Um, uh, from India. From India. Yeah. Uh, there we go. Um, so the, I'll skip the intro and get to the details and comments. Uh, so we are looking at August 19th this year. Uh, uh, Mr. Jayantar Chakrabarti tuned in on uh uh, 9405 kilohertz uh, between 4 and 5 p.m. UTC and uh, simple rating for the quality was 4 across the board uh, mm-hmm. 5 fours. Um, the contents of today's program were informative uh, educative and most interesting the following news reports were of particular interest. In the backdrop of China's recent belligerent maneuvers in the Taiwan Strait, more countries in the free world are raising concerns. They are beginning to understand that unprovoked hostile actions against the freedom-loving people of Taiwan go against international law and infringe upon democracy. A case in point is Germany, whose present Chancellor Olaf Scholz is appreciating the values of geopolitical situation rather than only on business and trade. Yes, Germany, that's true, has somewhat shifted its focus, it would seem. Mm. Germany, the largest economy in the EU, has till now been rather soft on China because of trade, but recent events have hardened their outlook. The Taiwanese representative in Berlin, Xie Zuei, uh, appealed to Germany for strengthening bilateral relations, especially in military cooperation, and it's a step in the right direction. Um, It is hoped that Germany will respond to Taiwan's legitimate concerns and lead Europe to help the island nation in this hour of crisis. I'm glad I could read the name uh, Xie Zuei because I think this was from the Friday um, news Uh bulletin, which I read. So because the the spelling is very weird on (laughs) on, um, Mr. Xie's name. Yeah. Um, The email continues. Um, RTI gave a resounding report on the phenomenal achievement in Taiwan's healthcare scenario. The country's interior ministry in its report of 2019 stated that the life expectancy in, on the in the island is, on the island I should say uh, is rising in the long run and averages 80.86 years. This result reflects the emphasis being made in on healthcare and welfare policies by the pragmatic government of Taiwan. However, there remains a confusing situation. The survey revealed that people living in the south and west lived longer than those in the Sorry, North and West lived longer than those in the South and East. Uh, wishing all at RTI good health and happiness uh, with warm regards from India, Jayanta Chakrabarti. Um, that is an interesting point that people in the North and uh, oh, West of right. Taiwan tend to live longer than people in the East and South. Yeah, That also kind of correlates with uh, income distribution in Taiwan, I would say. Um, oh. I- incomes tend to be higher 
in the north, north. and west, where mm -hmm. the, most of the major cities in Taiwan are located, mm -hmm. whereas east is less developed, um, in yeah. you know, just in terms of the economy. Mm, but it is uh, way more beautiful. Mm, <laughs> like it, it is. It is. I always recommend to people who come to Taiwan to go check out the East Coast, uh, Taitong, yeah. uh, Hualien, you know, Taroko. Those are really stunning places. Whereas right. the West, uh, I remember when I was riding around Taiwan on a motorcycle, I did made that mistake once to ride back north from the south along the west coast and it was just so boring because the <laughs> west coast is just a never-ending okay. city all right well that's all we've got for you on status update thank you so much for your letters keep them coming the address is p.o box 123-199 taipei taiwan email address is rti at rti.org.tw and you can always find us on uh, youtube facebook and twitter as rti english or radio taiwan international Right. You can always leave us comments. Okay, until next week, I'm Shirley Lin. And I'm Tomasz Koper. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International, Taiwan's national broadcaster. We hope you enjoyed our programs. You can catch all of our latest news, audio, and video features on our website at en.rti.org.tw. Again, go to our website en.rti.org.tw for engaging news, videos, and programs about Taiwan. If you'd like to hang out on social media, RTI is there too. Our Facebook URL is Radio Taiwan International. And you can watch our engaging video features, including the weekly news magazine program Taiwan Insider on our YouTube channel RTI English. For those who enjoy the Twittersphere, our handle for Taiwan Insider is at Taiwan Insider. For RTI English, it's at Radio Taiwan underscore ENG. And if you'd like to enjoy us on your smartphone, just download our app RTI to go. That's one of the best ways to enjoy all our news, videos, and programs. That's RTI to go. If you're a shortwave listener, we have two channels in Asia. For South Asia, tune in to 9405 kHz from 1600 to 1700 UTC. Again, that's 9405 kHz from 1600 to 1700 UTC. To Southeast Asia, you can hear us on 15320 kHz from 0300 to 0400 UTC. That's 15320 kHz from 0300 to 0400 UTC. We would love to know what you think of our programs. Email us at english at rti.org.tw. That's english at rti.org.tw. Thank you again for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International. Music